Let's talk JMMA with Charlie Jewett from Sogo-Kaku.com. This is a podcast about the deep end of Japanese combat sports scene. I'm your host, Shu Hirata from On the Road Management. Now, let's begin. Good evening, Charlie. Good evening. How you doing? Good, good. How are you? Good morning. Uh, yeah, that's good morning in the States. Good good evening yeah. in everybody in Asia. And uh, that was the opening segment I made on iPhone. You know, it looked a little amateuristic, but that should be okay, right? <laughs> I mean, I remember when I was doing a little bit of video editing like 10 years ago. Just what you can do on an iPhone now is way right. better than what I could do with software back then. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So let's dive into the first subject of the day, which I think we should talk about Bantam Away Grand Prix. Yes, yes. They had the uh, drawing and everything else. Now, were you there? I was not there. Um, I think they've kind of been limiting a lot of the attendance for some of these mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. But I watched it live on YouTube. And um, I feel like a lot of people going into it were kind of worried. 16 people is a lot of people. Right. To get almost exclusively from Japan. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was actually very pleasantly surprised. I want to hear what your reaction was. But I thought they got a lot of good fighters in the tournament. Oh, I thought so too, because they picked up all the champions, like not only Shuto, Deepu, yeah. you know, like a Gratchan and Gladiator and everything else. So it made everything quite interesting, I think. Yeah, plus, I mean, some of them are coming off of some pretty big wins recently. Right. Like, uh, so what are some of the ones that stood out to you? Um, you know, to be really honest with you, I many fans are really surprised about this Ryo Okada, the current Shuto champion. Right. It was made because Shuto is kind of hard to get out of it once you're a champion. And, but I actually knew that he's coming because we had an offer from Rising for Uruka to fight Iryo Okada on New Year's Eve. So it was obvious that they were talking. So it wasn't a surprise, but I think this is a very great addition because he's a good fighter, Shuto champion. Now, immediately yeah. fighting a deep, deep champ, you know, Motoya. So I think it's a very good matchup. Plus, I mean, um, Motoya looked very good in his last match, kind of rebounding from the Naoki fight. So. Right. I think people are excited to see him in the tournament. Mm -hmm. I mean, Shuto Watanabe has kind of created this interesting character recently. Oh, yeah, and I love his post-fight <laughs> speech. <laughs> um, uh, first off, his last win, Rising 27, biggest win of his career. Right. Um, going, people might not know, he's had a very long career, like 30-plus fights. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest win of his career. But everyone was talking about his like, post-match mic little performance. Exactly, yeah. He has like this really like demure, like uh, soft-spoken kind right. of like childlike voice, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he's he was like real, he's like real emotional. Spent most of it talking about his girlfriend, and then um, who's fighting for Deep Jewels, and then talking about his teammate Kana Watanabe, who's fighting. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Rena was tweeting about his speech. Everyone was tweeting about it, so I think he made a pretty good impression. I think so and too. Then, my wife was laughing because of his reaction because they asked him, they were interviewing everyone at the press conference, like, how do you feel about the match? And he was kind of like, well, I really didn't have a say in the matter. Kai Asakura picked to fight me immediately, so don't really have a choice. <laughs> now, about this drawing, the Sakakibara said that, oh, I'm going to copy what Scott Coker did in Bellator. We're going to use yeah, this. Right, but that's a little different though, because people was get to choose. He, he showed up at the very end. And he chose right, so he didn't have to do drawings. Right. 
Right. So I think it was kind of sad. It, you know, it's not good for Kai to pick the opponent first, then he has to switch it. That's a little different. They it's should, weird because yeah. kind of the same thing that Deep Jewels did, yep. where you drew a number, I believe. Mm-hmm. Based off of the number, you got to pick it, where you went on the bracket. Right. Which, if I remember correctly, when Hitomi Akano fought in Strike Force with Scott Coker, they just drew cards. They just drew cards. Yeah, I remember that because I, I was there. The corresponding suit is who you fought. <laughs> if I remember correctly, I think they all drew queens. But um, yeah, it was kind of weird. And I mean, it's got to somewhat be kind of insulting to be Shuto and have Kayasakura pick to fight you immediately. Like instead of picking an unknown opponent or anybody else, just straight right. to him. You know, they should have let Kai to choose the spot at the very end. So he should have oh, yeah. that room to go and move somebody and sit kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, first off, brilliant play by Sakakibara to ask Kai to be part of the tournament in front of everybody in, yeah. like, a no. position where he couldn't refuse. But uh, that aside, yeah, it would have been more exciting to kind of have him – I wouldn't make him go last because last is kind of boring because last mm-hmm. doesn't like to pick who they fight. But maybe have him not go first, like somewhere in the middle. Right. But what it is, like a destiny, whatever drawing they did on Bellator was a pit bull was get to go last and he get he has a right to move somebody, right? That's how Ah, so that's been done. You know, that'd be way more interesting, yeah. That would be way more interesting. And he he would have a right to move or just you know sit on an open spot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's pretty weird, you know. Now for me, the biggest surprise is this one, Imanari. That stunned me. (laughs) Imanari is in this tournament. Um, Not going to lie, I like Imanari. He's funny. Me too. Yes. And I like watching his entrances. I like his fights. He's very interesting fighting style. But I had thought that he had kind of retired unofficially and was doing grappling tournaments. Right. And opened his own jiu-jitsu gym. I didn't really think he was going to take another stab at MMA competition. Mm-hmm. But what I imagine happened is somebody showed up and was like, hey, we'd love you to have you as part of this tournament. Here's some money. <laughs> That's what yeah. I think probably happened. But what do you think happened? Well, here's what it is. I, I didn't actually ask Saeki because I'm pretty sure he's the one who booked Imanari to yeah, yeah. Rising. Mm-hmm. That but makes sense. I personally think, I think Saeki really wanted to give him one last shot because he actually had a chance to go to UFC twice. Right. Once it was a USC Macau show that Sean ended up signing Tezuka, but he wanted to actually sign Imanari first. But he was injured, so unfortunately he couldn't take it. On second opportunity, when we remember we did the road to UFC Japan tournament, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, Sean was willing to put Imanari in there, but he had the commitment to fight in Italy before that. So he already made a sign commitment, signed a contract, couldn't say no anymore. So he had to say no. So he had to say no twice to the UFC offer. So maybe Saiki thought that maybe this is the last chance you should just give him to be on the big stage. I like that, but I will say, unlike like some of the other fighters, like Boku mm-hmm. or some of the other ones kind of past their prime, I think Imanari's style kind mm-hmm. of makes him more opt to win than some of these strikers that are kind of yes. burnt out. Right. Because he's just he's been doing a lot of international grappling recently. Mm-hmm. And he can still dive on your leg and rip your leg off. Right. Like, so I think he has a much better chance of some of these older guys than, say, like a Boku or like a Kitaoka or something. So right. It's, it's a style of matchups, too. So. Yeah, exactly. 
it's it's got to be terrifying knowing that the guy you're fighting, if he grabs your foot, is going to rip your knee out. So, but <laughs> in other words, the Takizawa should know that what Imanari is going to do, right? Oh, exactly. Concentrate on those leg submission defense. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like back in the UFC when people would fight Paul Harris. Right. Now another match, actually. I think it seems like it, what everybody in Japan is talking about this one, right? Naoki Inoue against Ishiwatari. My first thought was, uh, finally, uh, Inoue has been talking about fighting Ishiwatari for so long, but um, uh, Ishiwatari unfortunately was injured, so mm-hmm. the fight couldn't be put together, but it's finally happening. Right. And so Ishiwatari made this interesting comment mm-hmm. afterwards. He's like, well, I was hoping my first fight would be the easiest fight, but <laughs> it turns out I'm fighting the toughest guy in the tournament in the first round, right. which after his recent performances, I feel like Naoki Inoue is kind of, everyone's acknowledging that he's the favorite in the tournament. I think so at this point, right. Because you have Kenji Osawa releasing videos, and he had released videos before this mm-hmm. as well, back before his fight with um, Motoya and Watanabe. So there's kind of been in the background, but now that people have seen how quickly he beats these guys. I think what's kind of important is he beats Motoya, he beats Watanabe, and then Watanabe and Motoya rebound and have very dominant wins themselves. Right. But so shows that he's not beating these has-been washed-up fighters. He's beating the best of the best in Japan right now and making it look easy. So right. I think people are starting to recognize that. Plus, uh, like he's been going to a stylist recently, so people are commenting on how he's dressing now. He's got his hair done, so just so you know, that suit is uh, by Uruka Sasaki's lazy got. (laughs) It looked it it looked very Sasaki esque when I saw it, but um, yeah, I would say also part of the credit to that. Um, I know that Inoue was in the UFC before, but I think Rising did a good job promoting him. And that they kind of embraced the fact that he's not good on the microphone, that he's kind right. of shy. Right. And they kind of made that his character. Yeah. And that's embraced crazy. it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this tournament is really his chance to take that and run with it and shine even more and show that he is the monster that everyone's saying he is. Right. And uh, just so you know, his plan was to choose either Kai or Ogikubo Ishiratari right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's two ways to look at it. If it's a tournament, it's better. I mean, some people think it's better to fight the easiest guy first. But this is a tournament. You have to fight twice on the New Year's Eve, which is a semifinal and final. Right. So you want to get rid of a top guy before that because you may have to fight really tough guy twice, right? I think the tournament format favors Kai Asakura mm-hmm. style in the last night because he tries to knock you out quickly. Right. So I would agree trying to get him out in the first round would be a good move Yeah, because if you have a grinding match and he just blasts his guy and knocks him out. But I also don't mean – I just don't see Naoki having a lot of trouble with Kai, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I see him being able to take him down or strike with him. Just He's got every advantage, I feel like. Yes. So, I, every department, he's actually better at this point, you know? Yeah. Hey, I'm concerned about Ogikubo. You know, his style is a little bit more scary than Kai, actually. That's what I was just yeah. about to say is actually that I would rather not fight Ogikubo in the opening round. No. Because he's going to tire you out. Exactly. Because he's going to try to take you down nonstop for the entire fight. And he's durable and he's tough. So I'd rather not fight him in the first round. 
Yeah. If Naoki wins this first round, which I'm expecting him to do so, I think I'm going to tell him to ask for Akaya Sakura for second round. Yeah, let's not wait till New Year's Eve. What's the point? But I know you wanted to fight him in the first round, but the benefit of this is if um, if Kai wins, it brings a lot of media attention to the event. Exactly. So right. it'd be almost sweeter to, even if he doesn't end up fighting Kai, because he'll be on the event where everyone has come to see Kai, he can steal that thunder if he wins. Right. He exactly. So that may be better to do New Year's Eve because it's a big show. It's on national yeah. television. But in that case, I would like to demand to fight on semifinal. I want oh, to make exactly. sure they both should fight when they're like injury free, no damage, nothing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll tell this on the record that me and Naoki talked about this. Um, winning this Grand Prix is a must if he wants to go back to UFC. But right. just winning Grand Prix is not good enough. He's going to have to beat somebody, it's good, and he's going to have to right. finish them. So that's why he's only willing to fight Ishiwatari or Gikubo Kai. So these tournaments are kind of perfect because this tournament's a who's who. Right. Kind of in Japan, this division is stacked. Right, right. Most people in this are kind of legends, even if they're a little bit older, a little bit mm -hmm. too young. Right. Everyone in it's a well-known fighter. Right. But I don't know if some people notice that, but out of these 16 fighters, Naoki is the only one with a UFC experience. And he's the only one undefeated domestically. He's only one undefeated against Japanese. And he has the highest winning rate out of anybody. I, I will say what I did notice is people noticed who wasn't included in the tournament. Oh, and people were very interested because mm -hmm. so I watch these shows. Usually, it's a bunch of girls, which is kind of funny. Mm -hmm. I'm the guy there, but a lot of Sasaki fans, Urika Sasaki fans, where I'm at, and they noticed that he wasn't included in the tournament. And now right. it looks like he's moving up a weight division. He's moving up the weather, and too. he's been calling out Mikuru on Twitter, I believe. And Mikuru was like some dismissive comment, like, "Oh, you fought my brother. Why would I fight you?" Blah, blah, blah. But I think that fight actually would be a good fight to make. Oh, yeah. And I could see them making that fight. Right. And uh, yeah, but here's what it is. I think now he has a two choice. has two choices, either Uruka or Kyohei Hagirara. And I have a feeling he's going to choose Hagirara. It's just much easier opponent. Well, Hagiwara is much more plays into his fighting style. Right. And, well, and, and yeah, But Hagiwara is more popular for some reason. So He's very popular. I don't I quite understand it as well. Um, I have a feeling he's extremely popular in the Osaka region. Mm -hmm. But I feel like a lot of girls like him too for some reason. But, yeah. And he's like that bad boy image and um, kind of like a frankness, kind of like an Osaka frankness, the way he talks. So. Right, right. But right. kind of like a a little bit like Koji, but a little bit younger. Mm -hmm. But um, he's very popular, so I could see Mikudu wanting to take that fight as well. But I think right. if Sasaki fight him, Sasaki would. I mean, Sasaki's a grappler, so I just any grappler against a guy that's not that good at grappling, I feel like is a good fight for right. a grappler. Actually, I can reveal this now. Actually, Ruka was willing to even fight Saito right off the bat. He wanted to fight really? Saito, but the Rising said, "No, no, Saito is a champion. That doesn't make sense." Which you I know why he's. Moving up a division? Is it just too hard yeah, for him to make weight? Actually, he's not technically moving up a division. He's decided to not compete in Bantamweight Grand Prix because he has to cut weight so often. And you remember last couple of years ago in, in, in America when he tried to cut weight, he had a little problem with the liver and he had to ah. be hospitalized and stuff like that. So it was for the health reason we decided that it's probably better to not do the tournament. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, right. I remember when uh, Bellator did the one with Megumi Fuji, I think. Zoila Frastow essentially ruined her career cutting right. weight that many times in a row. Right, right. So it's just not healthy. And 
And there's going to be a featherweight Grand Prix. So we have talked and we decided it's probably better to try to get to the featherweight Grand Prix. Yeah. So actually the plan is actually, of course, winning Grand Prix is perfect. But if we get to fight Mikuru and beat Mikuru, Uruka will probably come down back to Bantamweight and try to get Kai again. Ooh, get the, uh, become the uh, Asakura killer. Exactly. However, before that, Naoki might be able to do that too. So yeah, 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 yeah. they're like brothers. So, yep, yep. Yeah. So yeah, Uruka is not in the tournament. But it doesn't mean he's permanently in the featherweight. I was just I just brought that up because I some people were noticing that he was one of the very absent names from the. Right, right. Who else was absent from fans' point of view, like in Japanese fans? Who do they wanted to uh, see? I feel like Sasaki was the only one I really saw mentioned repeatedly mm-hmm. as the one that was missing. Everyone else just seems in it. The one that's kind of surprising to me is Alan Yamaniha. They literally talked about like a Clover uh, talked about him at the event before and introduced him. So well, just, Anna is, every time one of them wins, so they're going to introduce a new friend of theirs to fight in Rockton. Right. <laughs> like, Alan is the ranked first in Pancras. So I think he kind of deserves that spot, right? On this yeah. tournament. So I'm fine with that. And. Mm-hmm. Alan is fighting my client, Kuramoto, and Alan is good, but he's not as good as Kreber or Souza in terms of finishing with submissions. He's more physical, you know. In that sense, I think Kuramoto may have an edge on wrestling and ground you know, control skill. So we'll see. I'm still, I, I'm still kind of on the fence about Souza and um, Kloike a little bit. It's just because... The last matches was like their opponents did exactly what they wanted them to do. Right. Yeah. Their opponents went to the ground with them immediately, which is what a grappler wants before they're sweaty, before mm-hmm. any endurance I mean, issues mm-hmm. have kicked in. Mm-hmm. They just went to the ground immediately. Where I feel like at least Tokodome would have had a clear striking advantage. Yeah, Tokodome should have strike. I don't know why he did that. I, I mean, mean I don't probably, know what happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. He tried to strike, but I guess it didn't work, right? <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I was just kind of surprised because I feel like both their opponents were the ones that initiated the takedowns. Right. But in terms of Majima, that's his game. But Majima, I will say, unlike the Tokodomi, Majima looked very good in the first round. Yeah, yeah, he was dominating. But probably yeah, so very good in the first round. Yes. Yeah. You know? So that made sense to me. The other one, Tokodomi one, didn't make sense to me. But mm-hmm. eh, I mean, that's what happens when you fight. Sometimes game plans change in your head or you just don't realize what you're doing. But right. Actually, I'm still kind of on the fence with Sosa. Mm-hmm. Kloke, I'm not on the fence because he's very accomplished. He is. But uh, it's uh, Sosa. I'm like, his one loss was just so weird to me. But it's like created a permanent asterisk in my mind. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, if Musai comes, I don't think, I think Musai will beat him, you know? <laughs> Do you think Musai's ever coming back, though? I mean, I, I keep hinting at it, but. Yeah, it's going to be hard. I mean, like vaccine is not really distributed in Japan yet, right? And yeah, it's, it's going to be difficult, I think. But we'll Plus, see. I mean, the UFC has got to be interested in him too, right? Yeah, of course, right? It has to. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. we'll go back to he's Majima. He's an associate of Khabib, so he's got that connection. Right. Just to go back to Majima, I just want to let you know that I did, you know, talk to Majima Mori, you know, his coach, and uh, they knew that Koike was looking for triangle choke. He, they knew it, but he got tired. He got a little careless in the second round, you know? Well, I mean, how many fights has he had, Majima? He's, uh, 13 or something like that. He, he had a lot of fights. Yeah. No, but I mean, um, 
Koike's got like close to 40 fights. Or right, right. Crazy. Exactly. And Koike's like, like amazing stamina on ground. Oh, yeah. He's like he can roll for like hours straight and not get tired kind of stuff. Well, know? that's just what he does. So, but um, I thought Majima looked very good in the first round. If he fixes his stamina issues, mm -hmm. I think that's a different fight. Right. And also, actually, uh, in a ground control issue, too, that he has to pass guard. He cannot let, you know, like sit on like Klebe Koike's yeah. guard. It's just too dangerous. But he knows. Oh, yeah. So we talked about it. So, and just so you know, he has one fight left on the rising contract. And according to, I, I spoke with both about Seki and Majima right after they lost, like 30 minutes mm -hmm. later. And the rising basically said that they both did very well. Their, their yeah. reputation never went down and they're not, they're not out of the picture at all. So I yeah. think I can get them another fight, you know, both. Plus, I mean, I feel like rising more than the UFC respects people that come to fight. Yeah, they do actually. They don't. And, um, so, I mean, it's not like these were boring, passive fights. They were looking to finish their opponents. Mm -hmm. So that'll be a big thing, I think, when Rising comes to coming back to Ryzen. Right. Now, so Ryzen is doing opening round on either Tokyo Dome or Osaka. And they are going to decide which fight's going to go to Tokyo Dome, which fight's right. going to Osaka. And, of course, I'm pushing all my guys to fight in Tokyo Dome. <laughs> so I think there's two clear... They haven't decided, made any decisions yet, but I think there's two obvious choices. Kintaro mm -hmm. will be on the Osaka show. I think so, too. Right. He would have to. He's very popular there. Very popular. And yeah. Kai Asakura will be on the Tokyo Dome. He has to, right. Yeah. Like those, those two are very obvious to me. That Those right. are where those are going to be. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what you think about the other ones. I think the other ones are kind of more up in the air. Right. But I actually... Said, hey, Naoki against Ishwatari, that's a, probably the best matchup besides Motoya Okada on this first round. So put him on the first, you know, Tokyo Dome. Plus, but, I think, have they know, already said that the Osaka show is going to have Koji on it? On the, as a main event. Right. So, I mean, they, Koji could sell that place out by himself. I thought so too. I think with the Kintaro, they should be okay. If you put but, Koji, so I think they're going to put some of the less interesting fights I on the Osaka so. show. And make the Tokyo show the big one. But some people are saying, like, Naoki against you, that's such a good card. That should be the main event for Osaka. I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm like, why? Now, they'll make Koji will be the main event of Osaka. Exactly. And then Kintaro will be the co-main event. Sure. I think that's – they also tickets right there, you know. Maybe they'll put Hagiwara on that show too. Well, just, I, think I have a feeling if I can't get Uruka to fight Mikuru, Mikuru will end up fighting Hagiwara on Tokyo, though. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's a yeah, main card, you know. So I, I think you might have also, Sakaki Bata might have also said they want to make the Tokyo Dome card kind of a big deal. Right, and all MMA only. That's what he said. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. right. So maybe more kickboxing fights on Osaka, you know? Yeah. But I, I think, personally think Kurebel Koike should fight Mikuru. That should be the matchup to decide the next in the champion. Yeah. It'd be a great fight. But is Mikuru interested in being a champion? I don't think so. Maybe. Yeah, I don't think so either. On the Twitter, he say he's only taking a quickest route to get that belt. That quickest route should be to fight Clever Koike. Oh, right? yeah. If so. he beat Clever Koike, that'd be, I mean, exactly. that should be the title fight, what you're saying. But I can tell you right now that the chance of Mikuru beating Clever Koike is very slim. Very if slim. He didn't knock him out almost immediately right. in the first round. Right. I'm also, but Shibata, Shibata has also been uh, well, emerging recently. Yeah, and he. So, and he yeah, I don't know who he's gonna fight, right? I mean, well, people were joking because 
we'll talk about this later, but I think some people were saying Sidario versus him. I, know, I, know. I think Sidario is way too big let's, to fight. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's talk about Sidario now, then, in okay. the sense you mentioned Sidario Tsuyoshi penalty. Yeah. As you know, that he did beat the and he threw the punch to that guy Miyamoto even after the bell. I mean, after the referee stopped the fight and and his cornerman and saying, you know, I got into the brawl and now rising oh. determinations on his penalty. Now, what do you think about that? I think before we go into that, it's important to acknowledge Sadario's mm -hmm. background. Yes, let's do that. And yeah, the, he's I mean, he was kind of an up and coming sumo guy. Mm -hmm. I don't think he was like a super famous sumo guy people were just aware of who he was but sumo kind of ha always had this kind of like bullying thing that went along with it always but in Japanese think, too. probably like 10 or 15 years ago someone died yeah and so then they got really strict on it mm -hmm. and so like Asashoru had to retire because he punched somebody right I think um the other Yokozuna from Mongolia Right, he also, also uh, um, Hadama Fuji. Right, Hadama Fuji also had to retire because he punched somebody that was underneath him. Now remember, Hadama Fuji beat up Sudario's teammate, and the right. Sudario's okay. master was trying to fight that. But during the fight, the Sudario beat up his own students. <laughs> yeah, so Sudario has two, twice two accounts of yeah. him beating up kind of younger sumo wrestlers mm -hmm. and abusing them. So that's kind of like a black eye already. Right. And he got banned from Sumo for it, which is kind of a big deal. Mm -hmm. And then he got brought over to Rising. And so he's already got that baggage. Right. And Rising did their best to kind of like clear the air of that. They're like, oh, he's just a young guy, but now he's fighting to help provide for his single mother and all these things. But then he does this and this kind of, makes everyone look at the past occurrence mm -hmm. and go, oh, so this guy who kind of got in trouble for picking on younger people when he was in sumo wrestling mm -hmm. is now punching people after the fight is over. Mm -hmm. And then the ref pulls him off. He jumps back on the guy and tries to punch him again. And then Insunoe, his own coach, has to push him off. People are kind of like, what's going on? Rising has like a very casual fan base. I mean, they have diehard fans, but a majority of their fans are very casual. Mm -hmm. And I know that Instant Inouye is all about the like die in the ring kind of thing, kill or be killed. But that's not what most of the casual fans are interested in. No, no, <laughs> they're much more interested in this as a sport with like kind of the respect angle going on. And I know that, um, the opponent did also run at Sadario before the bell rang to start the fight. Well, here's what it is though, but Wada, the referee said fight. That's when he stirred. So he, yeah, they just yeah. connected when the bell just rang, you know? I didn't hear that, but even though like two wrongs don't make a right, no, that also amounted to nothing. Sadario knocked him out almost immediately. Right. I mean, I'm of the opinion this guy was like a 42 year old wrestler with zero MMA perform experience. Sadario should just be happy the guy agreed to step into the ring with him exactly, and right. not try to murder him in the ring afterwards. Right. Luckily, and it looks like most of the shots missed, but still. Still, that's not the point, right? I mean, right. some people pointed out that, could, he, that Miyamoto could go call the police and the father complain, you know? So, again, that's a that was a big deal. Yeah. And um, also, notorious, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Japan doesn't have athletic commissions, right? No, they don't. No. So, no. it's kind of. 
people are kind of wondering what would happen. And Rising fined him 25% of his mm -hmm. uh, purse. Yeah. But I mean, we don't know if that's real or not. We don't know if it's being well, followed through. On the record, I have seen Rising penalizing fighters for testing positive for steroid. And the penalty is okay. 100% fight purse was taken away. This fighter mm -hmm. didn't receive a penny. Now, I'm, I cannot mention this. Another yeah. promotion in Japan is one very known fighter fought and he did the, he had what happened was he lost on dq due to accidental knee shot it was not intentional accidental dq okay mm -hmm. he still had to give up 100 percent of purse never yeah. received money, not even show money so compared to that i think sudario Tsushi's penalty is super light so <laughs> that's my thing is i don't think the 25 percent thing is what's going to hurt him in the long run mm -hmm. i think now he has two black eyes He's yeah. got the sumo past, and now he's got this. And Fuji TV won't let people with tattoos fight on their cards. Right. They're not going to risk a Nashville, a Strike Force Nashville brawl on live TV. Probably so no. Sidario's out. In my opinion, I don't think Sidario, unless he does something, like has a couple fights where he shows he's under control, I don't think Fuji TV will want him in a prominent role on a Fuji TV card. Right, because he's not really attracting too many viewers yet, too, you know? And, I mean, the Rising's tried sumo wrestlers before. They had the Egyptian guy mm -hmm. who was kicked out of sumo for driving a car. You're not allowed to drive right, a car right, right. a wrestler. <laughs> and he drove a car again, and Rising just cut. That guy never showed up in Rising again. They were just like, eh. So, I mean, they will cut you loose if yeah. you make repeated problems for them. And right and now, it's... Kind of sad, but just because of this, this incident, what he did in the sumo world is actually coming out in the Japanese media. Yeah. So not just beating up a young student or a sumo wrestler. He used to call younger guy who made a one small mistake a retarded, handicapped person. Yeah. He also made him say I'm stupid, and he photographed and videotaped all of that and stuff like that. It's, it's very bad, you know? I mean, it also looked like when he walked into the ring, he looked at his opponent and called him stupid. Right. Like, I don't know if that's what happened, like, but it looked like he said Baka as he walked by the guy. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, and um, it just seemed like the people I was watching it with were enjoying the event. But as soon mm -hmm. as this happened, it was like kind of that stereotypical DJ, like disc skip where everyone's like, what happened? Like, what just happened? And days later, they were still texting me like, too bad that happened. I mean, that we liked him before that. I know. That's we don't want to watch him fight again. Right. And then his, so he's citing these frustrations of his own, which I agreed with. I said these before the fight that a guy of his caliber probably shouldn't be just only fighting these professional wrestlers with zero experience. But I understood what Rising was doing. Rising's mm -hmm. trying to build him up and create, build this giant star out of him. But they recognize that he has, he's getting into the game kind of late. Right. So they're getting him ring time and they're building his fan base while safe giving him kind of safe fights but now he's he was after the fight he's like oh, i'm tired of fighting these pro wrestlers i want to fight real fighters and time will tell but this could be like a curse because sakaki Barra seemed kind of pissed off after the event and was like oh if you want to fight like a really good heavyweight i'll bring in a really good heavyweight for you to fight from abroad and he's like I'm going to find a four. He's like, people had recently been talking about maybe him fighting Sakine, but Sakakibara kind of brushed that aside. He was right. like, no, no, we'll find a complete all rounded 
foreign fighter and bring him in to fight Sidario, which naturally led people to bringing up Junior Dos Santos and Alistair Overeem. But I don't think Rising's going to fork over that kind of money. No, to get they're that not going to talk about that. No, but yeah, I can but, tell you this right now: we already submitted a full, really good-looking heavyweight for Sidario. Yeah, so I mean, I it's can, almost right just, now those guys will beat him. Now I'm reading into this. I don't think this is the case, but I feel like Sakaki is like, I'm going to punish you. I think by so. showing you how unskilled you actually are, right, and bringing a guy to beat you up mm-hmm. is what it kind of sounds like. Sounds like I think that's going to happen. Is no. it, I'm going to humble you. <laughs> right. So. He's going to have to realize that, you know, he, he, in the heavyweight in Japan is almost non-existent. So right. you know, beating up on the pro wrestler doesn't really, you know. Plus, I mean, what are they supposed to do? It's, there's no foreign people are allowed into exactly, Japan. Right. There's no heavyweights. So I think there's, I mean, it's kind of like Gabby Garcia got mad when they were pairing her up against wrestlers. It's like mm-hmm. she couldn't see the grand picture. Was there setting up right. a super fight for you with right. King Reyna? Right. Sudario should be appreciative that he's getting fight, right? Yeah. Like, but he's oh, yeah. And I'm going to have to mention that I was not really happy with the Ansen's actions afterward, too, because, yeah. of course, Miyamoto's corner man has to stop it. And he barely touched the Ansen. He barely pushed him. And he went crazy like a brawl. Yeah. Um, um, that was kind of disappointing as well. I know that he's that kind is- of defending himself, but... I understand, like a coach having to stick out for sure. their fighter, but right. I mean, that seemed. I mean, Sadario was in the wrong. He was the one that kept doing that, and the guys kind exactly. of touched him. They should be right. And that kind of made it look worse on TV because he grabbed yes. him by the throat and threw him against the ropes. Right. And I was trying to remember: was there a fight with Frank Shamrock in Japan? Where one of the Inoues ran in and kicked him in the face. Maybe in old Pancras. I don't remember that. Yeah, like, they thought the fight should have been over. So they kind of ran in and kicked him in the face as he was doing something. Like, So I may be wrong, but I feel like this has happened before. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, the point is that then I saw that Ensign tweeting that he, you know, with the photo with the corner man of the Miyamoto saying we you know we reconciled everything's okay and blah 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 but that's not the, really the point though he did that on the national television in the ring so who cares you know he has to be penalized for that too. also who knows what actually happened is the guy actually fine with it or did he disagree to take a picture with you exactly right and just so you know it's a, it's a very interesting uh, inside story but they had the after party at Rising Twenty Seven. And Mr. Wada, who was a referee for that show, was there. And Ensign called him like 30 times his cell phone, wanted to talk. And Wada did not answer that phone call at all. He seems to be kind of going out of his way to um, try to defend the situation because I was actually looking at Google Trends. So mm-hmm. when it happened, it spiked. Like Sidari, Google Trend searches for Sidari kind of spiked because everyone's mm-hmm. like, who's this guy? Like, what just happened? Right, right, right. Then it was going down again. And then a couple of days later, it spiked again. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of wondering what happened. Well, what happened was Masato and Musashi have started their own YouTube channel recently. Yeah. yeah. And they did a video about it, which spiked interest again. And I checked today. They released it like last week, and it's already at 600, almost 700,000 yeah. views. Yeah. And they they seemed pretty critical of the entire event. I mean, Masato is also, for those not familiar, about as combat royalty as you can get in Japan. Exactly. Very unknown, yeah. very you know, serious man who does have no yeah. tattoos, nothing. You know? Yeah, like, 
he was like K1, like when it was in its high heyday. Exactly, right. And he's always been held in the highest esteem. Right, and marriage is not true. might have been one of the highest ratings ever, ever. on TV. Probably, yeah. And um, he, when, he, when he comes out and says he's critical of it, I noticed that Ensign actually commented on the YouTube video and oh, tried did? to tweet at him. But I don't think that Masato probably checks his own. I bet he has a manager for that. I don't think he's checking his own YouTube comments. But um, yeah, so that renewed interest in it. And also another person that was kind of more low key that I thought response was interesting that I wrote about was uh, the Asakura brothers kind of sponsor Hori. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he was uh, very negative about the situation. Yes, yes, he did the whole video about that too. Right? The reason I thought about him as a big deal is because whereas Masato kind of has more of like, he affects the general public's opinion, Hori is the type of guy that's a rising sponsor. Mm -hmm. And he has the gym, he does the Asakura brothers. So most of the sponsors involved are going to be kind of like him. Mm -hmm. If they're kind of disgusted by this act and it starts affecting rising sponsorship money, if Sadario is involved, then we might not see him again. Right. But, you know, Sadario is an interesting talent, too, so I wish people around him, like, talk some senses into his head. You know? really sounds like he's really embraced the kind of, like, kill-or-be-killed attitude. But he just needs to, like, learn, like, when the bell rings, it's over. Right. And he has to understand he's a professional athlete. And that, especially on Japan, where a lot of this is on live TV. Right. Especially one bad already got kicked out over. once out of a national sports for something doing bad, right? So yeah, it, it can be over that quick. Right, exactly. So he really should have to somebody should really like, talk some sense into What if something bad had happened? Like what if he had hit that guy and the guy was unconscious and sent the guy to the hospital, killed the guy? Like right. what if something because what if something bad happened? Like over. Exactly. <laughs> so. His career would be over. He might be yeah. end up behind the bar for that. So I mean yeah, I, I wish I really wish somebody talks some sense to his head. I mean, he needs some but, mature guy around him. Like so, we were critical. I feel like Ensign's got to be talking to him right now. I have saying hope. like I hope so. He's got to be telling him like you can't do that again. Right. Like it looks really bad when you yeah. jump off of a ref pulling you off back onto a guy. So. But, but still, Ensign shouldn't be doing that either. He shouldn't get into the in brawl. I mean, come on, he's old enough to understand that at this point. Was it the Nashville brawl? Was that, that's what this reminded me of with the, with right. the Diaz I, brothers. Yeah, we have a comment saying that, I guess it happened in Pancras. It says, Egan Inoue ran into the ring as a Shamrock beat up Ensign. The Egan, uh, see, I knew it. I knew yeah, it yeah. had happened before. I had this image in my head of grainy footage of someone uh -huh. running and kicking him in the head. So, right, 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 right. That was what happened before. Yeah. All right. So I mean, all right. So Sudario, let's hope he's you know will get his head straight. And uh, I will say, we were kind of negative about Sudario. He is a he is a really good prospect. He is. Yes. I want to see him succeed. Mm -hmm. And I think I mean, he's so powerful. And he's lost so much weight. Like, he's really transformed his body from his sumo days. He's an MMA fighter. Instead of showing up real fatty, like a small wrestler body. Right. I really want to see him succeed. So mm -hmm. I hope that he learns from this. I hope so. And gets some, like, more mental discipline or something. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. They need to. Right. All right. So let's talk about uh, this weekend's Bellator MMA. Kana Watanabe is fighting, which yes. many fans in Japan didn't actually realize that because they're all talking about Bantamweight Grand Prix, Tenshin, Nascar, blah, blah, blah. Now, tell me about this interesting about Kana. He did some, she did some crowdfunding? Yeah, I was kind of interested about it because I will say Kana Watanabe has kind of grown on me kind of slowly. She's a kind of a soft-spoken person. Very soft-spoken, yes. Very soft-spoken, but she's been doing some interesting YouTube collaborations with mm -hmm. like Tanchan, Rina and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so she's kind of grown on me character-wise. And mm -hmm. uh, going to this Bellator event appears to be quite the financial burden on her. I don't know how what better way to put it. I understand that though, because I think promotion always pay for the fighter and one corner means travel and food and everything else, right? So, Maybe, but I mean, yeah. it just depends on how high up she is on the card, I imagine. Mm, yeah. No, but I know the Bellator, most of the contract that I, I don't think promoter I don't know any promoter who doesn't pay corner men's travel. At least one corner man, you know? Right. So she's going there with one corner man, Ueda san, who right. owns the gym she trains at. Uh-huh. And they also train a couple other kind of high level fighters as well. Right. But um, they had to raise money to pay for the gym, essentially, as well. And because he'll be gone for three weeks. Why is he so going to be gone for three weeks? Because um, they have to go quarantine. The 14 days quarantine? Is that what they do? I think they have to quarantine for two weeks before fight week. Okay, well, that's a little bit different from UFC. We didn't have to quarantine Las Vegas. We go in, take tests, right. and quarantine just 24 hours. I'm not 100% sure, but based off her post, it sounds like she has to go quarantine. Let me, let me, I could check that, actually. I should have checked that before this, but I don't think so. Not two weeks anymore. Let's see. When is her? Yeah, but anyway, so that's three weeks, and so he needed money to run the gym while he was gone for three weeks? Is that what it make up for essentially lost money because there'd be no classes at the gym. Okay. And then they also needed money because I think they had to do a COVID. They each had to pay for their own COVID test, which I think was around $450 a piece. You know, that is, I think we should double check on that too because like UFC or any other promotion I know, you have to take a COVID test before you hop on the plane. Yes. They will. They should get reimbursed. At I least see. the fighter and the corner man. A corner. Yeah. The one. There could be a lot of confusion going on where right. they don't know that they're going to get reimbursed. Exactly. I think. I think where just doesn't know, <laughs> right. which is possible. Right. Or they're just like somehow not have like the worst contract negotiated of all time. But so she had to raise some money, which I always don't like. Man, I'm kind of sad to see that fighters have to raise money like this. But yeah, exactly. And, and it's not because of the, like I get it. If you get injured, you need the money for the surgery kind of stuff. But this is just to go to the Bellator fight. It's almost like telling the world that we're losing money and going to fight for Bellator. <laughs> but it reminds me of it reminds me of when people travel abroad to fight for like regional promotions. Mm -hmm. like some I understand of that, right? Regional promotions aren't going to pay for travel most of the time, most especially for corner man. Right. But this is like Bellator. So it's kind of like a, a lot of question marks are raised when I'm Big looking at it. question like, marks, right. Is it because they – is the money being raised exclusively because the gym is closed? Is the money being raised because they somehow have to finance their little quarantine in the United States? There's mm -hmm. a lot of questions that aren't really answered because, as we said, she's kind of a soft-spoken person. She doesn't really speak out that much. Right. But – 
So I just thought it was kind of interesting that this whole crowdfunding thing was going on. Yeah, it is interesting. And it's actually more interesting if whether her coach or that, I don't know who her manager is, if they didn't know the content of a contract, thinking that they're not going to reimburse, they don't know this, that, that's pretty bad. <laughs> There's a Japanese photographer who does shoots MMA events that I'm uh, friends with. Uh -huh. We're kind of laughing about kind of the unawareness on the Jap some of the Japanese fighters because the Japanese scene is much less developed than the U.S. scene. Right. So, like in the U.S., there's like Cameo. It's like a website where you can get a message from somebody sure. that's like famous. And the prices that the Japanese athletes managers are asking for in Japan are like comically high. <laughs> like uh, I think uh, Asakura Kana and like Ayaka Mura and like Kana Watanabe is like $400. <laughs> And I was laughing because um, like Cameo in the United States, I think Rampage Jackson's like 200, like like ex-UFC champions are less than that. I think uh, Alima Leigh McFarlane was like $20. I'm just like, there's no way people are paying for this. Like if your managers were knew what they were doing, they'd lower the price and you'd actually make some money off of this. But so it's kind of interesting yeah. to see the Japanese yeah, it's, I really say, I'm not going to mention names, but yeah, you're right, because lots of Japanese fighters or even the gym coaches doesn't really understand the contract. So, right. you know, there's one Japanese fighter who fought for UFC, thinking UFC would not pay for cornerman at all. So he was paying for his cornerman. Then at the end of the day, he realized that his shady manager was using that cornerman spot for travel. Oh, wow. I explained to him that the, you know, the content of a contract. He said, oh, they only pay you for the fighter. That's it. But I will say, you know, back to the Kana Watanabe thing. If she wins in Bellator, she's going to come home as a hero. Right. She will. And I imagine she'll get bigger sponsors and things like I that. Hope so. I hope so. so yeah. I hope she does because she's kind of a, I think she's exciting. She's got a really good judo background. But if she wins, for some reason, like Bellator's show with Rising was a huge success PR-wise, mm -hmm. and everyone's very aware of Bellator in Japan now. And if she wins and comes back, she's going to come back as like a hero. So right, but you know what? I'm telling this on the record because I, I shouldn't be. I would not say this in Japanese because Sakura won't like it. But here's what it is, though. Even same with Asakura, he stopped mentioning UFC. Even when he says like, "Oh, overseas, maybe I go Bellator." You know, same with the Kana Watanabe. She had an offer from UFC. They didn't mm -hmm. take that. Ended up in Bellator. So to me, those two are like a salary man now. <laughs> you know, thinking about the boss of the company and what the company need to do instead of their own, you know, goals, it seems like. So, but I'm, that's interesting because I've been following Kana Watanabe for a while. So I know that she's friends with Shiri mm -hmm. Kondo, mm -hmm. who fought in the UFC. Right. Turned to her roots as a pro wrestler now. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if somehow she talked to Shiri Kondo and Shiri Kondo had, if she gave her what her experience in the UFC was, or if they just don't talk about it. But I would think that they would have had to have talked about it. Probably, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, so. But another issue is this maybe Bellator paid her way more. Or maybe they just, maybe Kana Watanabe wants to fight in Japan too. That too, right? So allows her to fight in Japan too, right? So you can go back and forth, which you're not be able right. to do that when you're UFC. So yeah, but I just thought that they're turning into a little bit of salary man now these days. Well, <laughs> I've noticed that quite often as well. Um, I've been doing, I've been interviewed some fighters. I won't say mm -hmm. who for certain promotions, 
Mm-hmm. And they're kind of taking the stance of like, I want to stay with this promotion. I want to kind of make this promotion bigger. I don't know if that's kind of being drilled into them by the promotion or if that's like a legitimate feeling they're having. But it'll be kind of interesting to see where that goes. Yeah, that exactly. I mean, it's for some reason, still Japanese fighters has little mentality. Seems like a, a associated with a pro wrestling organization. Let's well, say if you're a wrestler for New Japan Pro Wrestling, we're better than the old Japan Pro Wrestling. I know everything like that. So Ryo Okada on the press conference says, "I'm here to prove the, how tough the Shuto is." But him winning doesn't prove that Shuto is tough. Him winning is going to prove he's tough. That's it, you know. Well, it kind of reminds me of what the old Rumina Sato days where he wouldn't leave Shuto until he became a Shuto exactly. champion. Right. I will say, back to the promotional stuff, that it was, I do like that Rising somehow acts as like the neutral ground between two promotions. They do, exactly, right. Because Take, the uh, Takeda Kume fight was awesome. Awesome, right. And that was kind of the Pancrase versus Deep, so mm-hmm. I'm glad that that opportunity exists for those to happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, no, I think it's it's interesting that UFC is not the only MMA in the world, so for the fans to see something different and, you know. Yeah. But, but, again, I just – I my goal is to create a first UFC Japanese champion. So every time oh, yeah. I see those talent who turn out to be turn out to be a salary man kind of thing and, and think of out. you know. You already did your duty and you got the first uh, North American Japanese champion. Time <laughs> to get the UFC. Yeah. Hamasaki too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. was the champion in North America, you know? Yep, very first one. Right. But I really would like to create the first Japanese UFC champion. I think I think you're getting on your way. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know? Let's see. All, All right. right, so let's talk about this big news in Japan, which is Tenshin Nasukawa versus Takeru. That Tenshin showed up on yesterday's K1 show, and now everybody's so saying these two is going to happen in the fight. Now, that was kind of funny because... Tenshin was at the Rise show earlier that day. Mm-hmm. Speaking of like your salaryman vibes, Rise asked him to come to their event to kind of build the press for it. And then exactly, he, right. like, rushed, he rushed across town to get to the K1 show before Takeru fought. Right. I mean, here's what it is. I can tell you this now. We all knew about this about two weeks ago. Like yeah. he's going to be there. And that's the reason why a ban- uh, Bantamweight Grand Prix press conference took place on 26. Because once you hit the 28, the media is going to talk about tension. Yeah, isn't the whole thing that Sakakibara wants to do the, the the Tokyo shows before this fight? Probably. Because he doesn't want to be overshadowed, which is smart. Smart, right, yeah. But again, who knows, right? Because the Japanese government still think they're going to do Olympics. So yeah. if that's the case, right, that's going to be a big difference. It's going to be a lot of restrictions on the events and you know, audience and attendance, all kinds of stuff. So, Plus, I mean... If you look at like just Google Trends as kind of a map, um, Tenshin is very popular. Very popular, like everybody. Uh, yeah, the only person who's cons- who's higher trending on average than him is Mikuru. Mm-hmm. But Mikuru is more popular because of his YouTube videos, not necessarily as a fighter. And Takeru is high, but not as high as Tenshin. Mm-hmm. But I'll say that I think Takeru has the older fan base. I think so too. He's been on for Tenshin has the young fan base. Younger fan base, yes. So I mean, if they fight, it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. Right. So you're talking about old, older audience of Fuji Television will come in, a younger audience from Vema TV will come in. So that it's going to be a oh, huge yeah. fight. Yeah. The what was Bruno on Twitter actually tweeted out the Abima numbers. It was like 3.1 million people watched the Tech Edu fight live. 
So, I mean, 1FC wishes it had those numbers on Abima. That's a massive but, you know, I'm going to tell you this, a bit of a number, too, though. But they do not reveal the, how many minutes those viewers stayed on that show, actually. Oh, Because you could just go log in and leave in five minutes. It would be still counted as a viewership. It's a box part. Still, I mean, it's still my social media is not necessarily filled with kickboxing fans. Mm-hmm. And it exploded. Like, exploded. all everyone was talking about was the Takeru fight. I mean, it was a great fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to build Tenshin versus Takeru, this is the kind of fight you want Takeru coming off of. You exactly. want him. And he did it, too. Out of can, he beat a legitimate contender, he got hurt a little bit, but then he blasted him. Right. And K1 put all of their eggs in the basket. They had Masato doing commentary. They had the booth filled with celebrities. Mm. They made a giant show out of the whole thing. They had Tenshin sitting ringside. So I am very hopeful. I think the fight will happen. I think so too, right. And I hope this will be televised in North America too. It has to be a kickboxing fan. Oh, I know it's small, but right? I mean, it's still money. Yeah, do it. Plus, I mean, you got to think the reason it's going to happen is because Tenshin has announced he's willing to walk away from it. He is going to walk away. So this is the last yeah. year of kickboxing. They want, wants the money. Yep. They need the money. And Tenshin's like, hey, I'm going to boxing. I want to do this fight, but I'm not going to Manny Pacquiao style wait 10 years for this fight exactly, to happen. Exactly, right. got to happen now. I think what Nazca really wants to do became a boxing champion and do a big fight with the UFC champion, like what Conor did, I guess, in that way. Right. Well, the MMA fighter, you know? So that could but happen. I mean, if this fight happens, it will be the biggest Japanese combat events since I've been in Japan in like 10 years. Yeah. Since, since the Pride days, right? There won't have been anything that compares to this. I mean, Pride, they had the you know big Yoshida against Ogawa, that Grand Prix, you know, 40,000 people, or like, you know, Dynamite, you know, 100,000 people and national okay, like New Year's Eve shows. But I mean, exactly, right. this will be as big in my mind as Masato versus Kid Yamamoto. Maybe even bigger because they're yeah. both actually known on the, on the general public of Japan. I will and, say it, it kind of reminds me of that because I think at that time period, Kid Yamamoto probably had the younger fan base. Yes. Or Masato had the older fan base. Fan base. It's, yeah. perfect, it's the perfect marriage because they're not bringing the same fans to the table. Mm hmm. So it's going to be two different fan bases tuning in. So it's going to be giant. This is going to be a giant show. And I think it's going to happen. And I can tell you this, it is going to happen. Because the fact that Tenshin actually went to K1 show to watch, that's a sign that the deal is done. <laughs> you know? well, the deal has to be done. It was also reciprocal, too, because Takeru going to the Rising show was that's bigger true. to me. Because Takeru's always been kind of like that, as you were saying earlier, the K1 salaryman. Like, Right, right, he right. made Rising take the Rising logo down before he did the interview. Yep. And the fact that they've both gone back and forth, and the fact that K1, I mean, it was very obvious that Tension had been invited to be there. Mm-hmm. So it's very obvious that this is all, the whole event is a showcase building up the yeah. Tension versus Tom right. It's kind of funny because Japanese Twitter was kind of laughing. Kai Asakura was there sitting ringside, and <laughs> no one was talking about it. <laughs> they were all, like, joking that, like, oh, look, little cute Kai is sitting over there by himself. <laughs> it's like nobody cared that Kai was there. They all cared that Tenshin was there and that Takeru was there. 
Now, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but K1 is uh, run by Against Sports, you know, the company. They also actually run Zest now. I don't okay. know that they actually own Gong Magazine now. Oh, really? Yes. It's so they have Gong media. Magazine. Remember, I was kind of surprised. I thought Gong Magazine actually like Gong Kaktogi. went out of business a couple years ago. Right. And they went out, but they came back. And what happened was Gang Sports put the money in it. So that's the. That's I remember there was like a weird moment where they were like going digital only and then yeah, kind yeah. of like gone out of business. So that, that makes sense. I did not know that. That makes sense. So you know, a lot of people don't realize that that group behind K1 is actually pretty powerful in the fights. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, Zest, they have a BS magazine, you know? You got to have some power to uh, defy the government order and still hold an event. <laughs> they've got some they've got some power. Right, right, right. So I think this fight's gonna happen and hopefully that's gonna you know revive a little bit of a Japanese fight sports scene. What's the guy mm-hmm. K one called? Nakamura? Nakamoto? Mm-hmm. What's the K one guy's name? Nakamura. Yeah, Pretty, yeah. yeah. But he gave like I saw Gong actually, speaking of them, released an interview by him today, like the vaguest interview of all time. Right. He was like, uh, I have nothing to say. Essentially the interview was uh, Tenshin was there, Takeru won. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> no comment. Why is this no article? comment. Uh, yeah. No, but that deal has to be done. Otherwise, oh. the deal will not be at their shows, you know. So I am hearing that they have the June reserve for Tokyo Dome. So yeah. let's hope. Why do you invite something. To invite tension and not make the fight is to invite criticism. Right. So, yeah. And it's not like uh, they're buddy buddy, right? It's not like K1 rising a buddy. So it had to, the deal had to be done at this point, you know. So well, they, they have to know that massive money is to be made. Yes, and I think they're counting on canceling Olympics because yeah. that can open the door to that sporting event. This will be the Olympics. Yeah, I think it's gonna be, they're gonna cancel it. I really think so. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, someone else is telling me. I mean, there none of the other countries are doing trials. Right. So what the heck, right? How are you going to choose the athlete? <laughs> yeah, but we can talk about that. Okay. So let's talk about Pancras 321, which is coming up on the day before Rising Tokyo Dome show, right? I think. Yep. Isn't it? And it's, yeah. I think so. I think it might be the day of or the day before. Day, uh, I'm sorry. It's day, uh, day of the Osaka show. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, I mean, any interesting card on this? Because I haven't really looked at their cards. Um, it's not. There's kind of a lot of a bunch of older fighters on the card. Yes. I'm kind of surprised to see Yuki Kondo on the card. Mm-hmm. And um, the infamous. I don't know if you're familiar. There used to be like all of these female fighters at Jewels named the last name Date. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. The yeah, only they, one that was pretty good still yeah. fighting. All the rest were awful, but. Um, mm-hmm. She's fighting the former boxer Raika Amiko. Mm-hmm. But nothing on it really sticks out to me a giant amount. Mm-hmm. It just seems to be like a just like a kind of an average pancreas card. What do you think? Right. The only fight actually I'm very interested in is the featherweight fight between Isao and yes. Michi Nakajima. Yeah, the main event is a solid fight. Right. And after that it starts to kind of peter off a little bit, but mm-hmm. And I mean, they're still getting back into it after COVID, right. so how do you expect it? I think Isao and Taichi Nakajima both looking to get into Rising. So if they win this fight, the winner will ask for to get into Rising featherweight Grand Prix kind of stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. 
So I got a question for you. When these fighters from go from these promotions to rising, mm -hmm. I imagine there's some sort of kickback. I don't think so. Not anymore. Oh, really? All days, it's yes. But right now, there's no more contract. If then no contract, then the fighter will go kind of stuff. It's just like free press. It's like you come here, we're going to mention Pancras. There won't be any kickbacks. I don't think so. And and uh, I think they will have a contract like, well, if you lose the rising or if you come back, you have to fight for Pancras, right? You know, like something like that. Okay. Yeah. I, no, they will never get a kickback. I don't think so. Okay. Maybe, maybe, but not anymore. You know? All right, so another show that's coming up is Deep Jewels 33, which we did talk about a little bit the last time. But looking good, stacked card. I'm stacked. kind of excited for it. Right. But I'm some yeah. solid events recently. Yes. And uh, as we talked about, you know, we have the, uh, what's the name? Izawa and Motono fight coming up. Right? Yeah, I was kind of surprised, but um, it's going to be a great fight. The first fight was kind of. Um, they're both feeling each other out. I think they're both kind of scared of each other because mm -hmm. they're both very high-level grapplers. Right. But Izawa was able to take Motona down several times. Mm -hmm. Motona, I mean, Izawa not only is a high-level judo, probably a higher-ranked judo fighter than Motono. Right. Izawa is also a high-level wrestler. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In your high school, she got to the final four. Mm -hmm. Or was high school, I can't remember. So she's very good. Montana's coming off of an injury, so yeah. I was kind of wanting to see her do a little bit more recovery time, but mm -hmm. if she's back 100%, I think it'll be a good fight, and whoever wins will likely, I'm thinking, like, Rising, UFC, Bellator, Bellator doesn't have their division, really, but so it'd be UFC or Invicta or Rising. They're going to graduate yeah. as soon as they get the belt. Right, and I think if UFC is doing an Asia contender, contender series, that could be another choice too, you know? Right, and I think Izawa Seika has kind of made it said that she wants to kind of stay and get more experience in Deep Jewels a little bit. But, I mean, that could change. An opportunity comes. She's living in a tiny apartment. She might want to increase her lot. But <laughs> uh, I think Miki Matano has made it quite clear just through her actions that she wants to fight in Rising and then abroad. She's hired a manager. She's kind of got some big sponsors now. So I think she wants to move up as well. Mm -hmm. So I think even if one of them loses, if it's a good fight, I could still see them moving out of the promotion and going somewhere else. Yeah, but the problem about the Risings is they don't have a 115-pound division. Unless they meant to make it, you know? That's the problem we have with Murata Kanako. It's just... She's gone, right. Yeah, they give her one fight, and then they kind of send her away. Mm -hmm. But uh, also on the card... Um, there's a fighter who returned recently, who I'm kind of hot on, who's a Yukari Nabe. Nabe, yes. Who, um, she has three losses on her career, but it's kind of deceptive. Those losses are all to very good fighters when she was mm -hmm. developing. She's only lost to Kana Watanabe and Shizuka Sugiyama right. and Rin Nakai or someone. I can't mm -hmm. quite remember who the last one is. Yeah. And um, her last fight, she looked awesome. She's she trains at Mayway or Miwi, however they pronounce it. Yeah. So she trains with a solid team. And I mean her grab, she looked physically strong. Mm -hmm. And I'm keeping an eye out on her. Yeah. I think she she's a little older. She's probably like 32 or 33. Mm -hmm. But she seems very strong and I could see her going to higher up and climbing the ranks. Yeah, yeah, she's background in judo, and she actually has gone to school in Korea and speaks very good Korean and has trained in Korea. 
And she thought about even moving to Korea to train as well, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, and she had, to make music. Fight, had some pretty awesome looking judo throws that she threw mm -hmm. out. That fight. And now she's kind of covered in these dinosaur tattoos, which got some fans' attention. They're like, what's going on here? So she's catching some eyes for her body work. And uh, she's very talented and physically strong. I mean, right. I think Kanako, you're going to yeah. get strong. I think she actually really wanted to fight for World FC. She she has something with the Korea and stuff like that, but just because of the pandemic and it's kind of right. hard. And, and actually, she showed up in the uh, UFC Shinsen show because she's a good fighter, a uh, friend of Mizuki. Mm -hmm. So we hang out and ate dinner and stuff like that. But I was telling her this, that in her division at 125, the big fights left in Japan for her is either Kana Watanabe or Rin Nakai. Right now, Kana Watanabe is in Bellator. When UFC placed offer to Kana, her reason for saying no to that was because she thought that she's going to fight Lin Nakai in Rising, which didn't happen. Mm -hmm. But I think Lin Nakai still, you know, gets something right from the fans. So I have a feeling Yukari Nabe, if she wins this one, she will go to Rising and fight Lin Nakai. Yeah, and yeah. Um, you see her on social media all the time. So she seems to be good friends with Mizuki and Kanako. Kanako. <laughs> Kanako, yeah. and Nabe Yukari, those three gets on the phone and yap for like six hours. Right, I got right. she... like a father and say, enough. And stuff. Does, does Nabe have a kid? I don't think so. No. Okay, I always see her with a baby. So I was wondering if she was with someone else's baby. Mm. But probably someone else's. But um, she was very good. They actually had her talk at the Deep Jewels event. So I think they're kind of grooming her as well. That's great. Yeah. And uh, I'm very impressed with her. Plus, on the same card, they also have the Adam White tournament, mm -hmm. which everyone's kind of favoring Siwoo right. Park to win. Yeah. And I want to kind of push the brakes on that a little bit. Siwoo Park it is very good, but I want people to not realize that she isn't Ham So he. That's true. People, He's not people, Not yet, right? People are making that connection a little too soon, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, I still think anything could happen in tournament. Yeah. Uh, she's fighting Saudi Oshima, who she fought before. And Oshima was able to get Park down. Mm -hmm. and Oshima was able to go for submissions. Now, Park is much bigger than Oshima. Oshima is a natural microweight. Mm -hmm. And she's able to power out of those submissions. But I'm just wanting to like let people know that she is at risk if someone gets her down. Yeah. And everyone else in the tournament is grapplers. Right. So, I mean, it's not a shoe in that she could win. I still want to say she is the favorite to win. She's beaten two of the other three people in the tournament, mm -hmm. but um, she's—it's no way a bygone conclusion. And I think it should be fun, whoever wins. Plus, it's a tournament, so if she has a long, grueling first match, and someone in the next match finishes their opponent very quickly, it could be very different. Right, and you have to understand, Pack and both Aono Hikaru has a boyfriend's fight for the Rising too. I was, I was laughing at that. I was tweeting on when this happened. I was like, oh, there they are. There they are. Because um, uh, Rising didn't really mention it, but right. Rising definitely leaned into the Hikaru Aono is Shinta yeah. Wutanabe angle. Had her on her own camera during the fight. So right. she has made it very clear. Hikaru Aono has made it very clear that Rising is her goal. She wants to fight there with her boyfriend. And if she wins this tournament, I see her going to Rising. Sure. But if the pack wins this tournament, she will go to Rising, and I have a feeling they will still let Sakura fight her on catch yep. or even Strawway. You know, just oh, they have, her, they have her go against Hamasaki, 
and they like say this is the new Han Solo. <laughs> like, yeah, right, right. Exactly, I wouldn't be surprised. But all I know is this: Pak actually is on signed a contract with Deep Juice for three years, so she's still got a long years left on that contract, and that means that she will probably end up in Fighting for Rising. Oh yeah, and um, uh, that means they're investing in her, so she might switch over to Deep shows as well. Right. But she'll at least get Rising. She's training with Mi Yamamoto now, mm-hmm. so her grappling is going to get better. I mean. For those that are unaware, Mi Yamamoto used to help train the Canadian national wrestling team. Yep. She's a very good coach. Very good. And so I think that Park's just going to get better there. I think so, too. And, but I'm not going to sleep on Oshima, who has 23 years judo experience. Sure. And got her down in the first fight. So So we're really looking at this deep jewel show. We may have a couple of girls end up in Invicta and stuff, right? Who knows? Oh, yeah. I, Deep has been Deep Jewels has been trying very hard. They've been doing amateur tournaments. Mm-hmm. They've been trying very hard to kind of groom the next generation of talent. And unlike the United States, um, with the Olympics, women's wrestling is a very popular event in Japan. Very popular. And women's judo is very popular. Oh yeah. So there's these fertile kind of grounds to get these young talent from. I mean, Saudi Oshima is like. 25 26 years old and has 23 years judo experience it's kind of like you can't find that in other countries so sick is always crazy too it's sick is always like oh i've been doing wrestling and judo since i was four and well, that's I'm, still common though in a way but do you remember the girl fighter named megumi yabushita who used to be a national judo champion oh, oh yeah she was like Russian lady. right, right. <laughs> I, I talked to her a lot because i love her but when she was three years old, one day she came off, daddy said, come here. And there was a rope attached to the tree, right? She said, from today, you do 3,000, right? 3,000, left. That's age three. Sounds <laughs> like what the Kimura guy training people. <laughs> Makes sense. I mean, even when Megumi Yabushita's like body had kind of got so many injuries and was kind of behind her. Right. Even when she's still fighting, you still saw the raw judo ability. Sure, she was very good, you know? Very good. Yeah, so there are a lot of wrestlers in judo kai in Japan who has oh, yeah. been training since age and, three and four, you know? And, um, I mean, I still remember it as if it was yesterday when they brought Murata Kanako to Rising. She wasn't a fighter yet. Mm-hmm. And they had her go up in the ring, and she was like, hello, I'm a Olympic hopeful. I was an Olympic hopeful wrestler. I was motivated by Ronda Rousey. I want to fight for Ryzen. And so, and they have like Saudi Yoshida in the commentary booth when she fights. So Japan has a very fertile camp development ground. Yeah, exactly. The issue is they need to build their striking. Yeah. And um, Motono Miki is going to a boxing coach. She goes to the same boxing coach as Ayaka Hamasaki. So she has a very talented boxing coach. And Izawa Seika is also going to a boxing coach. So I think they're both trying to do that. We need to do but, that. I mean, they need to exactly. do that. Whereas I think sometimes the wrestlers kind of get in a rut, I mean, not the wrestlers, but sometimes some of the grapplers or judo guys get in a rut where it's like, I'm a judo guy. I don't need to learn how to strike. So it's kind of refreshing to see these young fighters trying to be well-rounded. And I think that the winner of Miki Motono Izawa will be the new face of the new generation. I think so too, right? Yeah. That's why I would love to bring those girls to Vegas and live with Mizuki and do the fight camp there. And Oh, yeah. And I have a feeling Victor is coming up and doing something big thing soon. Yeah. So uh, because we had a couple, you know, Brazilians to sign up, you know, so they're willing to sign, you know, non-American fighters, you know, from outside right. the country. So I think Izawa may be an interesting one, you know. 
Well, I would just love to see like a reality show that's Izawa and Roxanne Mataferi living <laughs> together because um, they're both kind of nerdy. Izawa is a graduate school student and Roxanne's Roxanne. But Roxanne's busy now. He has a boyfriend now, so uh, <laughs> I don't even bother her. Rewind, rewind, rewind two months. And uh, <laughs> they can just be nerdy and speak Japanese to each other. But yeah, that would be great. Uh, I'm also just interested on side notes. See, Izawa, both her brothers made their pro debuts. I mean, amateur debuts recently. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like I have a powerhouse kind of emerging, the new Yamamoto dynasty. If all goes well. you know, we need something like that because in women's MMA in Japan is, is really a lack of talent right now. You got oh, yeah. Hamasaki and Kana oh. Murata is in UFC as Mizuki. So you really don't have anybody left after that, you know? Kana Asakura is very popular. Very popular. Yeah. One of Rising's most popular fighters, and her YouTube channel is quite popular. But um, I will say the last fight with Hamasaki was huge. Yeah, she did much better but than I expected. I my theory is that Hamasaki's been obsessed with knocking someone out for the past couple of fights. She tried to knock out Tomo Maesawa, she tried to knock out Ham Sohi, and it kind of so that's why the first round kind of was like that. But Kana well, Asakura making it a split decision fight elevates Kana Asakura because yeah, Hamasaki yeah. was such a dominant champion. Right. Even though she lost, she's a very clear contender to carry the torch because even Hamasaki mentioned, I've only got a couple of years left. I'm 38 years old. I'd like to see the new generation come up. And Kana Asakura can very much be that person. The problem is they need people for Kana Asakura to fight. Exactly, you need a two to tango, right? I mean, Muhammad Ali needed Joe Frazier. He needed George Foreman. You need these people for these great fights to happen, right? Like Kume Takeda fight. They don't have. You know what? I tell you right now. I'll reveal this. When first time Hamasaki fought Asakura Kana on New Year's Eve and one, right? Right after that fight, I was there. I told Hamasaki, "What are you doing? You're supposed to beat up that girl and knock her out." Forget this, because I know I can. T you can t t tap her out easily. You're supposed yeah, to yeah. dominate her, beat her, and knock her out. That's what I told her. So maybe that's what she tried to do since then. You know, she's got uh, Kana Sakura's mental strength has also. Oh, she has a very uh, strong mental, like very strong mentally. But um, my one criticism of women's MMA Japan for the longest time has been there's a giant gap in talent, or like huge gap. Number one, two, three, are it. like potential best fighters in the world yeah. where everyone underneath them is like regional level shouldn't be fighting kind of every once in a while one of them emerges and then gets slaughtered by the I mean, really Hamasaki, Mizuki and then we got the Murata and we got the Kana Watanabe came in but who else right in a way on that level how many times is Hamasaki supposed to fight like Fujino, Mizuki exactly also ruins fighters' development because he, does, he, was, uh, really. he was like, what, like 18? And it's like, we want you to fight the champion. I'm like, yeah, I'd like to see her develop a little more. But um, Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you hit the point there because I wanted to touch this before we go away is that go back to Rising Bantamweight Grand Prix. And uh, Naoki said the same thing. I jokingly said that, hey, for the first round, you should pick this guy because he's the easiest one to beat. And he immediately he told me no. You know, because I need a motivation. If I'm going to fight somebody, nobody, I, I'm not going to be motivated. And on top of that, he even said this, like, shoot, I need to go back to States soon. I cannot be getting these easy fights, steamroll everybody. I need <laughs> to fight three rounds, right? If he goes in there and he smokes, he's, 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 he's 
Yeah. That'll be a giant psychological statement to everyone else in the tournament. I think so too. Well, it's kind of perfect timing. I mean, not to be, not to pick, hit a guy while he's down. Isu Watari is coming off of an injury. So. Right, exactly, right. Anyway, so who's your pick to win the Grand Prix? Who's my pick? Yeah. I mean, I've been a very staunch Naoki Inoue supporter for the longest time. I actually do uh, kickboxing classes at the gym he trains at. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, we're not in the same class. <laughs> like, I don't, you know, uh, I'm very much a beginner's class. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of biased in this regard. I'm a very big Naoki Inoue fan. I'm a very big fan of his sister. So, but that bias aside, I still think he's the clear favorite to win. He's already beaten two of the people in the tournament. I think Kintado is kind of like a brawler, kind of like a tough guy. I think Imanari is a very, t- very talented fighter, but he's also very old. And I think uh, Asakura Kai can beat anybody. Sure. Asakura Kai can knock anybody out. Right, if he lands that punch. If he lands that punch. But I also think, I don't think that power um, lasts. I think he has to finish you in the first round. I think he has to overwhelm you after that. Right. And I don't see that happening with Naki Inoue. I see him no. moving side to side. Yeah. And if he tries to strike, he takes him down. If he tries something else, he Naki Inoue is more than comfortable to jab his face off. So, he has- I think Otsuka is kind of old as well. And I think the Xi'an guy might be kind of the lowest ranked person in the tournament. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not to be too. I'm not this. I did the I said the same thing. I go, why don't you pick Xi'an? It's the easiest. Yeah. He's like, no. I'm well, he's fighting the guy. Yeah. But, so let's just go. Um Naoki Inoue. Favorite Kai Asakura is also very possible to win. So too, yeah. Um, but giant asterisk. This is a tournament. Last round will be two fights in one day. Anything could happen. Yep. Wrong punch, you break your hand. Uh, you get dragged out into a long, grueling fight. Who knows? Well, you could win the fight and break your fist and gone, right? Exactly. Yeah. But, plus, yeah. I mean. It's also kind of a crazy thing because also the giant um, wild card, like a wild card factor is some of these guys in this tournament, they realize like this is their only shot. And so you got guys coming to this tournament super motivated. Oh, super motivated. It's like do or die kind of thing. Yeah. I beat Kai Asakura. This changes my life. Winning this tournament changes my life. Kai Asakura wins this. It doesn't necessarily change his life. Everyone else, we win this tournament. It changes everything, right? So, so could another like underlying factor is we're going to see the best of everybody, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of hard to pick favorite. But I think Naoki has to be the favorite, right? And you know, I think this is a very exciting tournament for the Japanese fans. It seems oh, like yeah. from everybody I talk to, they're very excited. You know, everybody. Um, I I got messages from lots of people like, oh, this is going to be awesome, like. It was kind of this thing that snuck up where no, people weren't really li- that looking forward to the announcement of it because it was so recent after the last event. But once mm-hmm. they made the announcement, they're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, this is going to be awesome. Right. Now, m- most of the people say that uh, we can enjoy this to the end of the year now kind of stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You don't have to worry. Kind of like whenever they do a tournament in the U.S., I feel like it always falls apart like before it even gets to the end. But this will get to the end. Yeah. This will be awesome. I think so. And 
I can already imagine the New Year's Eve show where they introduce the people where everyone's going to have invested a year in watching all these fighters. It's going to be very, be a very right. I wish I can go there though. Do you think the Japan Japanese government will get rid of that ban against the, the traveling? Oh, yeah. I mean, it has to, right? By especially as the vaccines get more common, because we I can think get a vaccine, you, I said, really get a vaccine to let you in. right by July, all of us in New York will get a vaccine. So yeah, yeah. I I even want the September show if I can. You know, once everyone gets vaccinated, I expect to see just worldwide numbers kind of drop. Mm -hmm. That'll change a bunch of things. Right. So by New Year's Eve, we should see a full packed house arena, right? Back oh, to normal. They're hoping for that too. They want to have a full packed house. Too, right. We need to go back to normal. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. So I guess that's it for today, Charlie. Perfect. Thank you very much. And we'll see you in two weeks. Yes. All right. So have a nice night and I'll All see right. you soon. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Thank you. Bye bye.